The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Okay, Alva, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. I was so excited uh, to get uh, on this call with you. Um, and when we get started, just please introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, where you're at, and a little bit about what you do. Perfect. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I too was equally excited to have this conversation. Ever since we first talked, it was just sparks and so much energy that I'm just so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. My name is Alba Soto. I am a trauma life coach. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I do uh, virtual coaching for really anyone who experienced any type of trauma. I specifically work with clients who have experienced sexual trauma. I also work with clients who have experienced and survived being in a toxic relationship whether it's with a narcissist or relationships with domestic violence and things of that nature. Um, so I love working with single moms and women who have experienced different kinds of traumas. I, yeah, I'm just like, uh, that's one of the things that I do. And I'm, the, I'm also a nurse that works in addictions. So I'm also an addictions nurse. That's so awesome. And I, I remember when the first time we talked, I just, I was so excited because sexual trauma is such a such a deep issue that can really throw off somebody mentally and emotionally for so many years until it's dealt with uh, and people process it. So what, what kind of inspired you to get into sexual trauma specifically uh, and coaching people through that? So I have, I'm a sexual trauma survivor myself, so I've survived family sexual trauma. Um, my journey to healing was that of really trying to avoid dealing with it for an extended period of time. Um, so for a while, I just didn't necessarily want to talk about it. I didn't want to look back at my past. I didn't really want to deal with it at all. So I am a survivor of sexual trauma. I'm a survivor of family sexual trauma. And for a lot of my life, I actually spent a significant amount of time running away from my trauma, running away from my healing, not necessarily wanting to look back and kind of really acknowledge that it happened or how it's showing up in my today. So over time, I realized that it was affecting me in many different ways. It was affecting my relationship with my children. I realized that when my daughter was of the age that I was abused, mm -hmm. so when my daughter was about three or four years old, I started to get really protective. And I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of like flashbacks from what I had experienced, as well as there was just this level of like, it felt like I was almost attracting the type of person that would 
take away my power or take advantage of my kindness and things like that. So it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my relationship with my children. And it was even affecting my confidence and my ability to show up in the world and say, this is what I'm worth. To be able to challenge somebody that if they say, you know what, this is, this is it. Okay. I'll accept it. Like there was this, there was no desire to, like question or ask for what I was worth. And I constantly found myself trying to overcompensate in different ways. And it was very exhausting. So after a while, I continued to run away and crash in different situations or different um, circumstances. And I knew that I needed to do something to prevent that vicious cycle of continuing to run away and crash and run away and crash. And it was almost as if I was running fast speed ahead and not necessarily like literally running away from the past, but not thinking about where I was going. And then oftentimes being stuck in a similar situation where I felt powerless or where I felt like I was taken advantage of. And I couldn't understand, like, why do I keep attracting these type of scenarios? And it was because I wasn't necessarily taking the time to process, to connect, and then ultimately disconnect. Therefore, I'm able to put the past in its past and then see myself for the person I am now, not that of a victim, not that of a person that isn't worthy of standing in my truth and standing in my power. So that was ultimately how the process of, you know what, I really want to heal. I want to begin the process of working through my trauma. And it actually started on a very long drive. I bought a house probably about an hour and a half to two hours away from my current job that I had at the time. So I had all that time to be able to spend with myself. And I decided that instead of making a phone call and killing the time by talking to somebody, I decided to take that time to work on self-development. That time I spent listening to audiobooks, I spent listening to podcasts, I spent meditating with my eyes open, eyes on the road, safety first, <laughs> but I spent time literally listening to my inner voice and processing some of the things I had been avoiding because I was finally able to have that quiet time to be able to process that. I started investing in different things for myself, such as Reiki treatment and doing different alternative therapies that allowed me to reconnect with my inner child and allowed me to like understand that this suffering that I experienced was not in vain, that it was actually for a purpose. And that purpose was to be able to share my story and share my healing with others. And that's why today I'm an author. That's why today I'm a trauma life coach. That's why today I'm a motivational speaker because I want to be able to share that information that I've learned from my personal experience to inspire others to also do the same thing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And just the level of vulnerability to get on a podcast, to become a coach, to become a speaker, talking about so much pain and, and suffering and how it's affected you. That alone, I believe, empowers people just from 
your courage of doing that. So thank you for that and allowing your voice to be heard. Now, I have a question, and uh, you, you mentioned dealing with a lot of the things that you were avoiding, which makes perfect sense. You can't avoid deep-rooted programs like that, but can someone who's dealing with trauma, regardless of what kind, um, but for sexual trauma, since that's what you focus on, can they get past it without truly facing their issue head on? Interesting question. (laughs) Um, I usually get that. Or is there something I can magically take to like get over this like really fast (laughs) and then I don't have to deal with it anymore? And the answer to both is no. (laughs) The reality is, is that trauma shows up in different ways if we choose to avoid it or ignore it. And the way I see it as, and I'm going to put it in a form of a like a visual so that because I'm like a visual person and the reality is is that we have an inner child that drives with us in the car all the time so if you can imagine a child should be in a car seat strapped up and safe right Mm -hmm. so when you have your inner child and your inner child is in the back seat strapped in the car and safe the child may have a moment where they're like mommy 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 like i want to show you something right and if you ignore the child as if the child doesn't exist that child is not going to be happy and it's going to throw a temper tantrum it's going to act out and it's going to show up in ways that you're not going to like it so the reality is that we all have an inner child in us the catch is we can't allow it to drive the car So if you ignore the child and pretend as if it doesn't exist, it will find its way out of the car seat and into the front seat. And before you know it, you'll have a child driving the car with lack of visibility, (laughs) with no license, no idea of no sense of direction, (laughs) no sense of speed, laws, limits, you name it. It has no perception of that. So now you have a child driving the car, meaning they're taking control of your life. And that's what's showing up in your workplace, in your relationship, in your parenting. And what does that look like? (laughs) You can imagine it's not a healthy thing um, in different ways. It's just a matter of acknowledging that the child is there, right? So it's like, she, the child just wants to say something or just wants to be seen. And sometimes it's as simple as look at this picture I did, right? And it's like, oh, that's nice. I like the picture. And then next thing you know, the child's fine. <laughs> you don't have to worry about screaming, kicking, any of that. And as a mom, it makes sense to me to have that correlation of the inner child in the back seat. But the reality is, is if you do not acknowledge that you have an inner child inside of you that is hurting, that wants to be heard, that wants to be acknowledged, and wants to be loved and protected, then when there is a situation when you are triggered, that inner child will show up. And it will be that inner child that reacts when your box makes you feel like you're not heard. And now all of a sudden, you're reacting in a way that sounds irrational or seems emotional or seems not quite fitting of the situation 
And it could be that your inner child decided to show up and have a little temper tantrum in the moment. <laughs> um, and those are just one of the many ways in which our trauma affects us, but it even affects our finances. Sometimes the, emo the lack of emotional... Um, the, the lack of emotional balance and, and the hurt that we experienced, the emptiness that we feel is sometimes filled with spending. So we may have irrational spending habits where we decide to go out and buy shoes and go on these vacations to escape our life. And then next thing you know, we're in this debt or this financial situation that isn't necessarily conducive to living a well-balanced life. And it's just your inner child was feeling empty at that time. Therefore, it decided to fill itself by buying a lot of shoes or escaping to a faraway vacation <laughs> and getting the recharge. So those are just some ways in which the trauma can affect you if you choose to continue to ignore it. But healing is actually something that allows you to slow down enough where you're able to process the feelings and then ultimately connect with that inner child process and and hear the the story that she never he or she never really had the opportunity to share for whatever reason um, because we all have our reasons why the inner child is silenced it could be because they felt threatened or they felt like they weren't mm -hmm. going to be heard um, or it just there was this, this fear that something really bad would happen if they spoke up. Um, so there are so many reasons why we don't speak up. And even if we did speak up and weren't heard, it doesn't necessarily make speaking up easier. Um, so definitely healing is a big part of showing up because then we'll have children and we will project this pain onto our children in a form of overprotectedness, in a form of fear, and in a form of avoidance. And what happens when you avoid conversations and you are overprotective of your child, you're ultimately setting them up to potentially have the same cycle happen to them as well. And it's not something that any person who's a survivor of trauma wants to happen, but you're not necessarily healing and breaking the generational cycle. Mm -hmm. actually reacting from that of an emotional non-healed state and by doing so you're not necessarily equipping your child with the necessary tools to protect themselves if they were to confront a situation where they needed to um, speak up or understand the terms of this is this is what my body parts are right? Mm -hmm. Because if you avoid having conversations about sexuality, you don't necessarily talk about what these different body parts mean. Then if they were to be abused, they don't have the right words to express what happened to them. And that ultimately is setting your child up for failure. Because if there's one thing that a predator looks for, they look for a child that doesn't know the terminology, that doesn't understand their body that doesn't have that level of confidence and um and even positive body image or by, um, um, positive sexuality mm -hmm. like meaning they're able to have a positive relationship with themselves 
Therefore, they don't necessarily need someone else to fill that, right? Because if someone mm -hmm. is feeling like there's a lack, then a predator can come in and say, well, let me show you or make you feel special. So therefore, it feels, because it's, it's a grooming phase, so it's a grooming phase to, um, so that the person who's being victimized doesn't realize that they're being victimized. And that's something that's common that happens with sexual trauma. Wow, thank you. That, the inner child, the idea of the inner child is just so powerful. And you just, you just explained it perfectly. That inner child will always be there until we nurture it and process it, hear it, feel it fully. And it, it seems like a lot of that trauma that I've seen from people just, you know, from people who were open about it, um, it was always until they actually had that conversation, it seems like, where it started to fully process when they, they used it instead of, uh, because they were a victim. That is no doubt they're, they're victimized for something. And especially when they, when their choice is taken away like that, you, you're a victim. How, how does someone go from being a victim to not living the victim life? If that makes sense, victim mentality for something that uh, was in reality a true experience of being a victim, like sexual trauma? So I say that there are very much unfortunate circumstances that happen every single day, right? In some cases, people are sexually abused by their own parents. There are people that are sold by their own parents. There are lots of scenarios that I hear um, that are very unfortunate. And the reality is, is that it is not that person's fault. And it's very, very, very important to acknowledge that. So I say that there are two things to say to a survivor when they do finally have the courage to speak up. One of those is, it is not your fault. And the second one is, is I believe you. And that is the beginning process of the healing. So speaking up and then hearing it is not your fault and that I believe you are the first steps to begin that healing journey. And another thing is, is that there are circumstances that are, that are outside of our control. And that's the reality of life. And some people are dealt pretty shitty hands. And that's also a reality of life. And the beauty of like being an adult is being able to have choices. So I can choose to have joy. I can choose to have inner peace. I can choose to heal. And those are the things that empower me to be able to move forward knowing that I'm not a victim. I am a survivor, but I'm becoming and I continue to be a thriver, right? Because I am no longer just surviving. I am now using my mess and turning it into my message. I am now 
taking what I experienced and giving it back by uplifting and empowering other individuals to continue to be liberated from their experiences and ultimately breaking generational cycles, not just in my family, but beyond that. Because the moment that we speak up is the moment that we stop protecting our abusers. And I think that's very important for people to understand is that subconsciously there's this fear of speaking up because we may not be believed. We um, may even be attacked because victims oftentimes get attacked um, in different ways. And then ultimately it's really about protecting the abuser. And it was really hard for me to believe that about myself, to know that I was protecting the image of my abuser in the eyes of his mother, mm. in the eyes of his wife, in the eyes of his children. Because we're thinking about how does this story, how does this scenario make these, this person look in the eyes of the people around them? And that means that we're willing to hold on to the pain so that other people don't have to suffer. Sometimes it's a matter of protecting our parents from the guilt that they'll feel when they hear that their baby girl or their baby boy was abused and they should have, quote unquote, mm. protected them. So we'd rather hold on to the pain than to pass on the pain to our parents who may not be able to hold on to that guilt that their child was abused and they weren't there to protect them. So a survivor is someone who has a significant amount of resilience, a significant amount of survival tools and strength to be able to carry on. And the joy that I have as a life coach is to really remind the person of their greatness, of their resilience, of all of the many, 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 many defense mechanisms that they've built up along the way, which includes repressing your memories. Like, sure, it was some subconscious. It wasn't necessarily your choice to just block out a huge part of your life. And it was confusing at times when you started to have flashbacks, but at the same time for that significant period of time, you were able to be a child, not thinking about, you know, constantly dealing with being victimized. And there are other situations like there are people who end up avoiding that person of that sex. So it could be that they just aren't necessarily sure about their sexuality and feel like they cannot be with someone of opposite sex because their abuser was that of an opposite sex. So the way they're showing up in the world is by avoiding set person that triggers them. And through healing, a person can recognize, you know what, maybe I'm just avoiding because of my trauma and it's not necessarily a preference or a sexual orientation that I truly embody 
Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And maybe it's just my trauma showing up in the present moment because this situation makes me feel unsafe. And if that's the case, that's a pretty good defense mechanism to have, to be able to avoid situations that make you feel unsafe, to be able to choose scenarios or situations that feel more safe. And I think society has a good way of making people feel bad about these choices that individuals make. Sometimes it's about sexual empowerment and sexual promiscuity. And that is a situation that happens oftentimes to individuals that are abused because they feel like instead of someone taking advantage of me, let me be sexually empowered and say yes and, and, and be in, in these different intimate scenario, situations because it's all I know and it's pleasurable or oh, for whatever reason they choose that. And that is okay because again, that in that moment, in that phase, it's a part of sexual empowerment. It's about you being able to choose what you want to do with your body. And again, society has a really good way of saying, you know, this makes you this kind of person. But the reality is, is that that's how you were choosing to cope with your trauma. And that's how it showed up in that moment. And that too was a part of your healing. So being able to pull out like the reality that is that we're constantly healing, whether we choose to or not. And the moment that we choose to actively heal is the moment we get to take back control of our lives in a way that we're able to connect. Oh, I did that simply because of this. Okay, now let me choose whether that is something that feels right with my spirit, that feels right with my core and who it is that I want to become as opposed to it being that of a knee-jerk reaction or that being that of a response that we're having to our trauma. So what I say is we always have a choice. We can choose to go left or we can choose to go right. And I'm choosing the word right as the correct way, right? Mm. And you can make some left turns along the way as long as you figure out that at some point, the more right turns that you make, the better your life becomes, the more in line with spirit, the more in line with your purpose, the more in line with who you truly are, and the less confusion and the less chaos and the less attracting other negative scenarios that happens. So I say we're all allowed to take a few left turns in our life as long as we get back on track on the right side because um, I've made my share of mistakes, but here I am. And it feels good knowing that the mistakes that I've made turned into lessons that I'm able to now share with other individuals so that they can learn and grow and hopefully avoid some of those situations. That's so, that's so beautiful. And I, I just love how you you come from a place of power. You're, you're owning your power despite your past. And you're making that conscious choice every moment to empower others from your experiences. And even just a simple way of saying survivor versus victim or someone who suffered from, you know, it just, just saying that the word survivor gives you a sense of power you start owning your power back because you did survive. You're resilient. There's a level of resilience to survive. 
something so so you know despicable like sexual trauma and i i love the way you just you mentioned the survival mechanisms because for for children i know when they go through trauma or anyone really but children don't have an understanding of what exactly is going on you know their bodies or or just they they have to attach a meaning to whatever experience and then a survival mechanism to keep them safe because that's how our brains wired and I, i love the way you mentioned survival mechanisms because they serve you for a certain point they serve you in certain areas but they can still hinder a lot of other areas, like you mentioned earlier with your relationships. Uh, when did you notice that these were survival mechanisms that did serve you at one point, but no longer serve you in the area for your relationships with your children and others? At what point was that just like, this is a survival mechanism. It kept me safe for these years or in these situations, but right now, I need to make a choice of how I want to live. That's a very good question. It's a very loaded question. Yes. So, and it comes with a loaded answer. So prepare yourself. <laughs> I'm ready. I was in a relationship with a narcissist mm-hmm. for a very long time. And being in a toxic relationship for someone who is a survivor And I also grew up experiencing or witnessing, not experiencing, uh, witnessing domestic violence in the household. So being in a toxic relationship didn't necessarily feel foreign. Um, It was something that felt normal and I didn't have an image of what love looked like. So it was difficult for me to recognize those yellow or red flags. So being in a relationship with a narcissist left me feeling even more broken, confused, and all kinds of just lost, really. Um, And I didn't realize that I was in a relationship with the narcissist at the time. I just was love bombed and wanted that love bomb to come back. Like I wanted the person that I met during that experience when I was being love bombed to come back. And for whatever reason, I felt like the more love and the more I put into it, the more I can get this person to come back. But it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't working. And I continued to go into this vicious cycle of um, just, dealing with this toxicity and it lasted for about three to four years and throughout that i had two children so i have the pleasure of parallel parenting with a narcissist (laughs) and i swear i'm gonna write a book about this one day because there are so many other people like me out there (laughs) who need to know just how challenging it is to parallel parent, not co-parent, because it's very difficult to co-parent with a narcissist. Um, So through the experience of dealing with and surviving a narcissistic relationship, I wanted to run away from that and felt like I needed someone else to help me forget or deal with 
the breakup of what that was because it left me feeling really confused. And I ended up falling into another relationship with another narcissist that ended up turning into a domestic violence relationship. And that was scary because this was an older person and this person would say things like, you'll never, like, you'll never meet someone as good as me or no one's ever going to love you the way I love you. And it, this person kind of resembled my father in different ways. So really like dealing with a lot of the um, lack of love that I received from my father, because while my father was physically in my life, he was emotionally unavailable. Um, my father's also a narcissist and that's unfortunate <laughs> truth that I just, recently had to come to terms with um, because the narcissistic relationships that I experienced were from romantic things. So it was hard for me to even put my dad in that same category because it felt kind of odd. But when I was only ex like observing the patterns, I was like, oh my goodness, these are the sim very similar patterns. So it makes sense why I was attracted mm -hmm. to some of these things. And narcissists aren't all bad. <laughs> they're actually very intelligent, very charming, and they're very convincing at like telling you that they're the person that you need. They're the answer that you need in this time. And that domestic violence um, incident, and luckily it was just one incident, um, I was able to, like it left me feeling powerless, like literally powerless. And that was a, a place that I never really saw myself as because even though I had experienced all the things that I experienced, I considered myself to be mentally and physically strong. And to be in a position where I was in a physical altercation with someone that I felt like I had zero, zero chance of physically defeating this person. But my only choice was to survive that situation without being sexually violated. Um, because I knew that the moment this person gained 100% control over me, it could be that this person will, would also sexually abuse me. And that was the type of fight that I had inside of me that allowed me to get my phone, call the police, and then ultimately fight my way out of this scenario. And when I left that situation, I was doing something that was very familiar to me, which was wanting to run away. So I was going to pack up my bags and move to California because in my current home where I lived, I felt unsafe. This person tried to come, well, came in through my window and tried to hurt me. So I felt like the one way to feel safe again would be to run away from where I was and start a life somewhere new. And I was doing everything really, really fast. I was I already had a ticket to go over there. I already sent some of my stuff over there. I was going to go get my nursing license and everything that I was doing felt like I had my hands on the wheel, my foot on the gas, and I was gone. And around that time, I met my husband. I, well, it wasn't the first time I met my husband because I actually met him and dated when I was 12, him and I dated. Um, but he was always there, but I always had like a stiff arm, like, mm, 
<laughs> and I didn't realize that the reason why I was avoiding my husband is because he fits the image of my abuser. He was Dominican. He mm. was born and raised there. He was very close to my family because his sister is married to my uncle. So he's been involved in my family. So I envisioned him being similar to those in which I experienced sexual abuse with. So because I was running away from my trauma, I was also running away from him. And after I was in that scenario where I felt powerless, I went through a phase. That phase was that I don't care about men and I am going to take instead of be taken, instead of being taken. And I'm going to do it in a way that I'm taking someone else's power. And it kind of made sense in my mind. It, it wasn't a good scenario. It didn't last very long, it lasted about a good 30 days that I felt like, okay, this is not for me. Um, and in that process, I allowed my husband to get close enough to me for me to, oh, let's give it a try. And I felt the sense of peace when I was with him. And it was a very chaotic time because if you can imagine, I'm trying to overcompensate and not be someone who I naturally am because I feel so powerless that I feel like I need to do something to just gain some type of control or power in this situation. So during that time, I realized that when I was with this person, I felt this sense of peace. And I was able to connect spiritually with him in ways I've never connected with anyone. And that spiritual connection combined with his amazing listening skills, his amazing ability to just be there for me and to protect me, made he challenged this idea like, do you really need to run away? Do you really want to run away? Hmm. And can you find that sense of safety here with me? And I had to recognize that what I was doing was a pattern, a self-destructive pattern of running and then crashing. Chances are I was going to crash. And in recognizing that, I decided to pause. And by pausing and connecting with my spirit, it felt like, you know what? I'm not going to run away this time. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to move out of this situation where I do feel unsafe, but I'm going to start this relationship with this person in a way that feels in line with who I am at my core, which is a loving, compassionate, loyal person. And in doing so, it's been, <laughs> it's been quite an amazing journey. Um, we have three, well, two, two kids, another one on the way. So we got five, five coming. We have a house. We just have so many different amazing things. Cause now that I'm in a positive and reciprocal relationship, 
I'm able to be myself, to own my power and to get that support that when I say, I'm going to tell my story to the world, he's like, you know what, if that's what you need and that makes you feel whole and that makes you feel, you know, healed, then do what it is that you need to do. And he's so supportive of me with my business and the kids and everything. And it's just been quite a joy. And I don't even know if I answered the question at this point, but it was that pivotal moment that I decided to stop running away from my problems and to stop allowing my trauma to dictate how I live my life now. Because if I continue to be afraid of my husband, I would not be happily married today because he was triggering me because of the trauma that I experienced. So that's just, that's just so amazing. And I'm just, every, every moment of this episode is just like gold. I feel. And just your, your, the way you show up is just so empowering and I feel empowered you know, and I just, I just can't wait for people, more people to just hear you and hear what it can become, what that experience could become, because you're just a living, living proof of what it looks like for a woman to own her power. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I want to be respectful of your time, because I know I, I honestly want to keep going for like three more hours, but <laughs> uh, I can I wanna, come back for another episode. Absolutely. That was no question. <laughs> uh, I want to ask for someone who is stuck or they feel stuck. They've had some trauma and they still don't know how to process it. What is your best advice for like the first step? What is the first step sh- someone should take who is still dealing with trauma from whatever age, but what would be, from your perspective, the best first step someone can take? So the best first step is to speak up. When we speak our truth and stop having it be a narrator in our head, it actually begins to minimize our experience in a way that it doesn't because it goes from being this big to being something that you can actually process and digest. Um, and it's not to minimize your experience, but simply it's to not continue the narrative of it is my fault. I attracted this. No one's going to believe me. I'm just going to continue to attract people who hurt me, take advantage of me. So these are the things that we say or our narrator in our head says when we keep it inside of us. So the first step is really to speak up. And there are many ways to do that. You could write about it in a journal. You could write about it in a book because we could use some more books out here. So if you want to be an author, um, let us know because (laughs) us too we're authors over here we got a little collaboration going because we're fire starters so if you if you want to do it you can write a book you could um you could decide to go see a therapist and speak to a therapist you can speak to a friend you could decide that you want to blog 
about it is share your story with other individuals. You could do a video blog. You can go on a podcast and share your story. Like you can do it in any way that feels comfortable and whole for you. But the moment that you begin to share your story is when you begin that liberation and you give that inner that inner child inside of you the right to have her voice back. It's like, you no longer have to be silent anymore. Tell your story, speak your truth, and embrace that. And that is definitely the first, first step. And it can happen in many different ways. So whatever way feels comfortable and safe is the right way for you. That's so amazing. And I just want to say that if everyone, if anyone is struggling with that, that your voice absolutely matters and if you're telling yourself no one's going to listen no one cares this is how i am this is how it's going to be that's all just a made-up story because your voice matters and it can cause ripples just like alba the way you are doing it your voice you just owning your power is going to cause so many amazing ripples to everyone who who gets a, just a, a little bit of you on there if they hear you see you wherever they're gonna get that power uh, just from being around you in that high vibration. So thank you again for being you and owning that because just listening to this, I'm, I have to re-listen to this again because it's just so, so amazing. You're amazing. Uh, and just for everyone who, who who's listening because they know you're amazing too, where can people reach you? And what's the best way to get in contact with you if they have questions, if they want to even go in deep and talk about their trauma with you. Uh, how can people do that? Perfect. I am on social media, on Instagram and Facebook as Alba Soto TLC. The TLC does stand for tender love and care because that's, that's <laughs> just a part of who I am. Multiple but it names. also stands for trauma life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so my website is albasototlc.com. And I do offer complimentary 30-minute session for anybody who wants to meet with me and talk about their trauma and see if life coaching is an option for them. Um, And yeah, so DM me, send me a message. I love to hear from you guys. So there you go. Awesome. I'll link all that stuff in the notes. Uh, and don't don't forget, you just you have a uh, podcast that people can tune in and hear more of your greatness. So, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So, I have my podcast is Trauma Liberación con Alba Soto. It is a bilingual podcast that um, features stories from survivors mm-hmm. and as well as allies who are able to share their wisdom um, and provide support for individuals who are survivors. So that podcast is on most of the podcasts. I'm still working on getting it on Apple Podcasts, but it's on every other podcast platform and it's on my website. Um, And yeah, it's just amazing. It's such a beautiful journey that I'm on to be able to have a platform where individuals can share their story. If anyone is interested in sharing their story and wants to join my podcast, feel free to shoot me a message and I would love to connect um, so that we can begin the 
really the, the liberation process. And what I say is that my voice is my weapon. And together, we're creating an army to fight back against sexual trauma, to fight back against all of the different scenarios that keep our inner child in bondage. So we're essentially liberating ourselves and preventing other children from being harmed as well. That's so amazing. And like you said, the first step is speaking up. So that's just a beautiful way to do it, a platform that really allows you to speak up and share your story and be that empowerment for so many other people. Thank you. I can't thank you like enough because this was this has been so amazing and I'm just I'm excited to share this with the world and just have uh, more conversations like these and we'll we'll get you on again at some other point and uh, thank you you're amazing Alba I love you and I appreciate all the work you do I love you too thank you thank you that is all for this episode thank you for tuning in if you found any value in this episode someone you know will also please share subscribe leave a rating and review so we can reach more people have a farther ripple and a larger impact stay grateful i appreciate you and remember you are a conqueror